listening to Zenial Dadcast. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Mo, uh, and today you can probably hear I'm in a slightly different area of the house. Uh, but on today's show, we are going to discuss a, an upcoming trip. I'm going to be solo parent traveling with with Benny, and we got a lot going on. I want to make sure that I, uh, I I cover all my bases. And I did I did just see Wakanda Forever in theaters, uh, and I want to make sure I share some of my thoughts about that film with you. Uh, our band to dig out is a Bolivian band by the name of Desire Project. Desire is one of those bands that basically they're this great little uh, indie rock band uh, here in La Paz, Bolivia, and they play some great music and they do draw a crowd. Uh, nationally, they're pretty well known. Uh, so today I'll introduce them to you. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get started. So I am in a different room and I'm, ha- I'm having a little bit of trouble um, adjusting to the different sound uh, that I'm hearing through my headset. But I'm, I'm actually in the living room uh, because I just want to be closer to, to Benny. You know, Benny's toys are all in the living room. So I just thought, well, I might as well just set up uh, in the living room on the kitchen table and, and just, uh, just hang out and record uh, as, a, as a little experiment. The other different thing is that I'm sitting down instead of standing up. I usually record when I'm standing up and I feel more free when I'm standing up. I'm able to be a little bit more expressive. Sitting down is slightly different vibe here, you know? So anyway, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I do. I did want to start off by talking about an upcoming trip. So today is Sunday, not tomorrow, but next Monday, I'm going to be traveling to the States. And Benny and myself are going to be in the States from November uh, 21st, Thanksgiving, basically, uh, through the end of January. And I'm really excited about it. I've been kind of making plans in my head and figuring out how am I going to use that time. I mean, I'm going to be working still, right? So I'm not taking a vacation by any means, but it is going to be a very special time for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, it's Christmas. You know, it's it's Thanksgiving, it's Christmas and New Year, and it's the first Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year that Benny is going to spend in the States with with my family. Uh, It's also the first Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year that I'm going to spend with my family, I want to say in 10 years. I guess 2013 I left. So yeah, nine, I guess nine years, you know, uh, next year would be the 10th year. I really did want to make this trip happen. And it was a long conversation with his mom. It was, you know, I, I really did uh, set the expectations. I've been talking about this trip since last year when we took our trip in September. In fact, last year's trip was supposed to be for Christmas and New Year's. But we ended up making it a September trip because uh, with, with all the pandemic and stuff, my mom's, uh, my mom's job, the administration was forcing all of the workers to use their vacation time by a particular date. And so she ended up having to take all of her vacation time for that month, whatever it was. And so we, we thought, well, <clears throat> she's not going to be working. We might as well be there, you know? So we took advantage of that situation then. And instead of making it a Christmas trip, we made it a, you know, fall trip. But now we're in this year, 2022, and I'm really excited about it. 
I really do want him to have a memorable time. The other reason, too, is he's a year older. And this last year, his brain has just tripled in size. He's just been evolving as a human being and, you know, has a sense of humor. He's communicating really well. And he's he's sort of, uh, he's less of a responsibility and more of a companion, if that makes sense, right? It's I remember last year when we, when we took our trip, uh, it really was like, I was traveling with a responsibility and I had to take care of him. I had to make sure he had everything, you know, it, it was, it was a kind of a juggling, you know, do you need to go to the bathroom? Are you hungry? It was just kind of a nerve wracking day. This year, it feels like it's going to be a little bit less, a uh, little stressful. And I guess that's part for the course, right? Kids grow up, they become a little bit more able to handle those, those kinds of things. So I'm looking forward to it, man. The thing about traveling with young kids is, it can get complicated. And one of the things that I didn't know before I was a parent is, and at least for Bolivia, but I would assume it's for most countries, or at least most countries in South America, when you are traveling internationally with a, uh, an underage child and you don't have the other parent, whether it's a mom or whether it's a dad alone, you are required by law to get a permit to fly with your child, to travel with your child. Now, really, it's only in Bolivia, as far as I know. Uh, I'm sure other countries must have some version of this, but in Bolivia, we have to go to a notary office and have a lawyer sanction the permit. It has to be me and the other parent. You have to go and explain the purpose of your trip, how long it's going to be, uh, you can get the permit for up to 90 days. So there's a limit to you being able to legally travel with your child. And uh, and then you have to, you know, hand in a bunch of photocopies and all that stuff. So we, we did that whole process and we got our permit. But the funny thing is it's only for this country. So, you know, when I left the first time last year, some people recommended that I get tons of photocopies. They're going to ask you for it. It's just always good to have it. So I got a bunch of photocopies. But really what happened is, when you get to the airport, you get in line for immigration. And when you get to the officer, the immigration officer, you hand in the permit, they read it, they ask you a bunch of questions, you know, like they're quizzing you. And then actually, this was a, gosh, this was like a 5 a.m. flight last year. And, and we were in the, uh, in the airport at like two in the morning. So you can imagine the amount of stress with a young child who didn't sleep well, you're, you're nervous, right? It's the first time that I'm doing this. And they ended up calling his mom, you know, and, and quizzing her, you know, what's the kid's name? What's birthday? You're the mother. Your name is this. What's your name? Where, where are you from? And we didn't know that. And so we just had, we just had the luck that his mom was awake because when we left for the airport, she was half asleep. And so it was very possible that she was going to be just knocked out sleeping right but you know she was up she was you know kind of missing the kids she was already her brain was all over the place so she was up and she answered the phone anyway they quiz her and we ended up going through and then they took they take the original so it is a good idea to get photocopies because they take the original and you're, you're left with nothing so we I had a bunch of photocopies uh and then you know it was a uh, three flights that day no one asked, is this your son? Why are you traveling? Like, there, were, there was no reason to suspect that I would be kidnapping this small child. I'm always a little bit nervous because, you know, 
I'm his father, and he has certain features about me. But when he was a smaller baby, he looked a lot more like. But now he's he's grown. He's lighter toned skin. He's got longer hair. He is like my mom's hair, uh, and he has features that with his mother, right? That are similar to his mother. So he doesn't look a lot like me. So I do always have like a little bit of nerve nerves. If someone tries to question me and I have to justify that this is my son. So I got a bunch of pictures on my phone and, you know, I, I really, I had a couple of, I had a bunch of uh, like pictures printed. I, I was really overprepared for being able to prove that this was my child, but no one cared. No one went and asked about anything. And, you know, when you, when you see the dynamic of a father, son, you kind of, you understand why there's just no reason for anyone to suspect anything because we're traveling together. But by the same token, I understand why Bolivia does that. There's a lot of child kidnappings and missing children, which is unfortunate. But this year, you know, similar to last year, it is a full day of travel. It is three flights from Bolivia to Colombia to Panama to Boston. And the great thing about that is that we'll be doing immigration in Boston. So as soon as we we get into the States and we, and we uh, get into Logan and we start coming out. Uh, we're going to do everything there. It was tough last year because I think we did, uh, we did Boston, Peru to Miami to Boston. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me say it again. We did uh, Bolivia, Peru, Miami, Boston. And the tough thing about that is the flight, the longest flight is in the middle. So you do a short flight to Peru. And then we waited a few hours. And then the longest flight was in the middle, which is right in the middle of his day. But we got to Miami. It must have been like 6, 5, 6 p.m. Eastern. And the whole process of doing immigration and figuring out, you know, all that stuff, you have to stand in line and stuff. Because it was the longest flight, he fell asleep. And he, I just couldn't wake him up. He was just so knocked out and tired. It was a long day. He had to wake up super early. So it was a challenge getting to the immigration officer and doing that whole thing. Luckily, they kind of sympathized and uh, and let me through quickly. But at least now with this schedule, we're going to have a short run to Colombia. Not not that short, a couple a few hours, I think. Uh, and then another run to Panama. The longer run is going to be to Boston. And as soon as we get off there, we're going to be home. So I don't have to wake him up. I mean, he can just stay sleeping and it'll be it'll be good. Hopefully, you know, the other thing that happened last time, which I hope doesn't happen this time, is when we got to Miami and we checked into our last flight, which was supposed to be with JetBlue, it got all screwed up. And uh, we, we couldn't get anybody from JetBlue to help us. Uh, we're not using JetBlue this time. That's for damn sure. But as you can tell, I'm holding a grudge. I, it was just a horrible experience. And we ended up staying in the Miami hotel. Which, you know, it was a horrible experience to have to deal with that. And it wasn't great to have to spend an extra 200 bucks on a, on a hotel room. But at, at least our, our uh, travel agency kind of coughed it up and, and arranged an American Airlines flight the next morning on their dime, right? It was just terrible because, like I said, that middle flight was the longest. So when he was tired, it was long, he was hungry. If you've ever been to the Miami airport, it's all fast food. And this was... Uh, forget what day it was but everything was closed when we were there so there were only a few restaurants open and they didn't have a lot of options that benny liked and there was no fruit 
So I was looking for like just a banana or something, you know, and there was nothing that I could give him that he would be excited about. You know, the last recourse, we, we missed the flight. We weren't getting any help from the staff at JetBlue. I just went to the hotel counter with my son. Like I, I have him on my shoulders because I'm pushing a cart filled with like two or three pieces of luggage and a backpack, right? Or a, I guess a shoulder bag. And I'm exhausted and he's exhausted and we just want to get down. So I, I just went to the hotel and I said, I just need a room for tonight and whatever it costs, I put the cart down. And it ended up being, even though it was a terrible situation, and I absolutely hate JetBlue for it, we ended up having a really nice night in the hotel. And we slept really well. It was, it was a really great little experience for us. Uh, and then in the morning, we had to hustle, you know, to get to the, uh, to the next flight. I do hope that that doesn't happen this time. In part, also, I don't, I don't recall, I don't know how nice the Panama International Airport is. But I would hate to get stuck in Panama for a day. I don't know if they have a built-in hotel in the premises either. So that would be a really tough thing. I'm sure there's like an uncle in or something. But I just don't want to go through that level of stress again where you have to deal with, you know, staff that just doesn't care. And that's really what it felt like last year. So this year when I bought the tickets, I literally checked all the boxes for all the types of insurance and the extra customer service and the extra concierge service and everything extra, 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 you know, all the uh, free rebooking service if we need to change dates, all that stuff, because I just didn't want to deal. I wanted to be able to just complain and and let them deal with it. Uh, Hopefully I won't need it, but I did shell out a little extra change so that we could, that we could have that peace of mind. So I will, uh, I will kind of close off the subject by saying traveling with a small child is tough. And I know that there are lots of parents out there with their own hacks. I've been in that situation where you find, you know, like you have to go to the bathroom, you know, and you got to lug your luggage and you have to find it as quickly as possible. And he, he's not going to hold it in forever. So you got an extra change of clothes in case you don't make it. And all, all this, all this, you know, like toilet paper in your backpack, uh, we always carry on toilet paper because you never know uh, when you need to, when, when there isn't any and you just need to, you need to pull it out. Even like, of course, now post pandemic, we always have alcohol to, to clean our hands, uh, extra set of clothes. And, you know, now, now that he's uh, a good age and he's got his, uh, he's got his little educational tablet, he's, he's really easy to, um, to just keep engaged for longer periods of time. We'll play a game on the tablet. We'll do tic-tac-toe. Like, it's just a really fun, fun experience. But we do have to go prepared. This time, what I am doing is I'm taking a lot, a lot of fruit. I know there's a risk that maybe they'll take it away. But typically, when they see you traveling with a small child, they're okay with you having extra snacks in your luggage. And so I'm going to put it in the carry-on. And Benny likes grapes, strawberries, bananas. So we're going to be taking a good chunk of that. I learned that the hard way because last time, I took two bananas and I said, you know what? I'll take two bananas. He'll eat them before midday. And worst case scenario, we'll just buy something on the way. And like I said, that's a fucking mistake because these airports, at least Miami, nothing that you would think is healthy for kids is readily available. It's just, it's sweets or it's, uh, you know, hamburgers, it's chicken wings, it's, it's whatever. I think typically when you're traveling, especially with a full day of traveling, like we have to do from Bolivia to, to Boston, you got to keep those snacks handy. You got to try to keep them healthy because it's not, you know, if he eats too many sweets, 
their tummies start to hurt and you gotta you gotta keep them in good volume so that they're just snacking along the way that they don't need that way we're not stopping for like hamburgers and chicken wings all the time you know so yeah so that would be my recommendation is load up on snacks especially the fruits dried fruits you know uh or just the things that are easy to put in a Ziploc bag, like grapes and strawberries and, you know, bananas, they, they wrap themselves. So it's, it's great. Let's, uh, let's take a listen to our band to dig out today, which is Desire Project. So I'm going to be honest. I, I've never been a big fan or a big listener of Latin rock music. And it's only like in the last couple of years, I've met a lot of musicians here in La Paz that I realized there's a lot of really good ones. In my age, I feel like you know, once you hit a certain time in your life, it's very difficult for you to really get into new music. Uh, so I find it tough to to really get into a new band or even an old band that I'm new to, especially if I if I didn't grow up in that culture. And so that's typically the case with Latin rock bands. There are a lot of good ones out there. I'm just not the guy for it. But this one. This one, uh, I was briefly in a band in 2019 with the drummer of this band. His name is Charlie. He's a, he's a talented drummer, a talented percussionist. And for a long time, I knew he was studying music. So I knew, I knew he was going to try to make a career out of this. And the pandemic hit and a lot of things changed. But then when we caught up afterwards, uh, I found out that he was joining this band. And he's in this band now and they, and they do regular shows and they draw a crowd in La Paz. And this is because this is one of those bands. They're like legacy bands. They've been around for 15 years. They've had new musicians come into the fold, but it's like they keep the, it's like a small business and they keep the business going as a band, right? And they, and because their identity is synonymous with the city, they get a lot of love from, from city listeners. So the Zydeo Project is definitely one of those bands that I, I've, I've been listening to on and off. And I really dig their vibe. It's, you know, it's Latin rock. It's, I don't know, like, I'm going to say a little bit ska, ska punkish. Not, not, not punk, I'll scratch that, but definitely a little bit of ska in there. They got a horn section. It sounds really great. And uh, anyway, I couldn't be happier for Charlie. He's a great drummer and this is a great band. So what we're going to do is we're going to listen to a track called No Te Encuentro which was released in 2019, so it's fairly new. And uh, they got about 22K listener, uh, listens on, the, uh, on Spotify. Uh, the band itself has around 600 monthly listeners, so they've got a good amount of following for an independent, independent band. Uh, and I'm a big fan of them, so let's check out this tune, Nota Encuentro, by Desire Project. Ya es mi dolor 
Será que algo de ti aún piensa en mí? That was Desired Project with No Te Encuentro. Definitely a ska vibe, definitely a bit of a reggae vibe. And, um, and yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about. So, yes, band is awesome. I did go to see Wakanda Forever today. And it was a bit of an impulse decision. I, I woke up and I, I've had, I had some free time. And I just said, you know what? It's been a while since I've been to the movies. I didn't have time to plan anything with friends. I just went by myself which sounds, it's like a weird thing to do, right? To go to the movies by yourself. But as you get older, I, don't, I think it becomes less weird. It's, it's just nice to be able to just go to a movie, enjoy it yourself, and just let it be you, you know? I don't want to harp too much on the, I guess, the, the drama around Wakanda Forever. Bozeman was one of those actors that definitely seemed to have an impact on a generation of, of comic book fans and, you know, um, young people out there. I never really was that big of a fan. I only knew him through the Marvel movies. But this movie really was really made with a lot of heart. You could tell that the filmmakers, the writers, the performers, they were all giving it their whole. And the entire movie has this challenge of acknowledging his absence, because you feel it throughout the whole movie, but also telling a new story and, and, and moving that story forward, introducing a new villain that is a villainous that, that holds up and, and figuring out how, how the characters can grief without making it a, a soap opera of them, you know, just talking about Bozeman. And they do a really good job. The somber tone of the film is felt throughout, but it was a surprisingly really enjoyable film. And it definitely uh, induced some tears. And again, I'm saying that because, like I said, I'm not really that attached to Bozeman or his character. Uh, I'm not 
I'm not mass, you know, like I'm not a big Marvel super fan. I love the movies and I enjoy them for what they are, but I did feel that they did a good job at telling a very emotional story, while at the same time driving this action-paced, you know, film forward and you know, setting up these characters so that they can they can shine. And they did a good job of letting this cast shine. I was I thought, you know, letting Letitia Wright take center stage was the natural progression of things. Uh, Angela Bassett put in a great performance as a grieving mother, but also a political leader trying to balance the two. The villain and the supporting cast was really great. The the really nice surprise was a chunk of the film takes place in Cambridge, Massachusetts, because they go after, again, spoiler-free review, right? I don't want to talk too much about it. But a chunk of the film, they end up having to go to Cambridge, look for a student in Cambridge, Massachusetts at MIT. And so they're in these, they're in the, on these streets and on this bridge. There's a big action sequence on, on one of the Cambridge bridges that crosses the river. And uh, it was just really nice to see the city. You know, they, they do these big sweeping shots with the, the, the Charles River and, and Cambridge and Boston on opposite sides and the big action set piece. It was just really nice to see. I don't know if anyone out there feels the same way when they see a familiar city where they've spent a lot of time in uh, captured on film, especially in one of these movies where, you know, uh, something like Marvel, they hop all over, all over the world. And so when it, when it sort of hyper focuses on one little corner of the world that you're super familiar with, you're just like taken aback by it. And, uh, and I really, really enjoyed it. That was a nice surprise to see, to see Boston. I, I do feel a little homesick, especially after last year's trip. And then knowing that in, in about a week, I'll be back in, back in uh, New England. You know, I just feel a little bit nostalgic, a little bit homesick for, for those streets and, I'm just looking at like how can I how can I justify <laughs> going to Cambridge for a day uh, while I'm there? So, but it was nice to see it in Wakanda forever. Anyway, if you, if you're if you're listening to this and obviously you know you don't you don't you haven't seen it if you haven't seen it it's a it, it is a good movie it is worth watching it is a movie worth watching in theaters. Uh, it does it does handle the grief with respect. There's a lot of you know the way that they talk about the child's death parallels real life uh but they don't do it for too much and they don't they don't harp on or you know do any digital recreations of t'challa which is nice i uh i think some films that go through this have that challenge and a few years back when paul walker died and they had to finish furious five you know it's i understand why they made the choices they made it's just that now looking back at it whenever i watch that last scene where they drive in different directions, Vin Diesel and, and Paul Walker, just doesn't ring as um, genuine. It sounds like they're just pandering to the crowd. It feels like they're pandering to me, and I just I, I don't enjoy it nearly as much as what they did here with Wakanda Forever, where they don't recreate him, they don't try to make it like he's saying goodbye or anything. What they do is they just deal with the grief left behind which is something that I think most of us unfortunately can, can relate to when we lose someone close to us. All we can do is, is deal with the grief left behind. And it does it in a very, very good way. It does it in a way that it's, 
it's even in line with the story, with the plot, everything that's going on with their villain. And it becomes a very, very good coming of age story for Shuri. And I definitely recommend it. If you're a Marvel fan, I, I definitely go to see it in the movies, in the theaters, because it's a, it's a worthy watch. Let me say it that way. That's all I'll say on it. I did enjoy it, though. It was a good one. Five stars, maybe, you know, uh, four stars. Yeah. Given given the uphill battle that that movie was going to be because of the circumstances and because you had to replace your main star and at the same time push a movie forward and let it be a different story. Definitely a four-star movie, for sure. With that said, I'm going to leave you with this last tune that I really like from the Zyde Project, released recently, 2020, El Viejo Final, which is the old finish or the old end, I guess. I don't know. It's from a 2020 release called Alaire or To the Air, I guess. And uh, yeah, this tune's a, it's a good little tune. I hope you enjoy it. This is El Viejo Final. And again, if you tuned in, I really appreciate it. Take it easy, guys. Peace. Here's a quick reminder. Check out the show notes and click on the link to comment or leave a voice note. If you have something to say, I want to hear it. Especially if you have a band we need to dig out for a future episode. While you're at it, find and click the link to our Spotify Bands to Dig Out playlist. Please enjoy responsibly. Lastly, head on over to www.zenialdadcast.com to hear all past episodes and learn more.